Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The NFL Divisional Playoffs get started this weekend. As a matter of fact, coming up this hour. And we'll keep an eye on that scoreboard as we move through uh, the day here on News Talk, A3OWCCO, the Vikings not a part of the playoffs, obviously. Big changes. Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer looking for work elsewhere. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Vikings continue their search for a general manager and a head coach. And joining us from Purple Insider, Matthew Collar. And Matthew, good to visit with you. Yeah, good to be here. I am ready for football, man. Yeah, a big day. Uh, I think a lot of football fans. I love this weekend when you get down to kind of the Elite Eight, if you will, uh, the two uh, divisional games in each conference uh, leading up to the conference championship games next weekend. And uh, maybe we can get into that before we say goodbye today. But uh, right now, uh, is there a lot of news on the Viking front when it comes to a general manager and then ultimately a head coach? I know they've talked to a lot of people, but it, it doesn't look like or it doesn't seem like a decision is imminent. Yeah, I think it should be soon. Um, oh, next wow. week, we, I, I think we're going to find out. So um, Tom Pellicero reported yesterday that the Vikings are down to two finalists, which is Ryan Poles, who is the director of player personnel for the Chiefs, and uh, Kwesi Adafo-Mensa, who is uh, VP of football operations in Cleveland. And I talked to a few people this morning that told me that uh, Ryan Poles is um, their guy that they want, but Ryan Poole also has interest from the Chicago Bears. Uh, and so this is kind of playing out as, you know, maybe it ends up being some sort of bidding war for Ryan Poles' services. That, that doesn't mean that uh, there's no chance they go with the other guy. It just seems like it's leaning toward Ryan Poles, and uh, if the Vikings can convince him that this is a better job and maybe a little more lucrative than Chicago for him, uh, I think that Ryan Poles is going to be the GM of the Vikings by next week. And then the search continues for a head coach because the conventional wisdom is you got to get a general manager first and then they've got to be involved in that decision on ultimately uh, who's the head coach. Yeah, correct. And, and uh, you know, I've gotten some questions about, you know, the Wilf interviewing head coach candidates, but and a lot of the candidates that they've interviewed have been interviewed by all the teams with openings. I mean, these are kind of the list of people that, I don't know, somehow we all decided are, are the right ones. But I think if you're the Wilf, you want to be familiar with the candidates that are out there by the time you get the general manager. Also, probably from some of their conversations with GMs, they know 
the types of coaches that they're going to be interested in when the GM does get the job, and then they'll go forward. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, let's say, they do hire Ryan Poles. I mean, he comes from the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Eric Bieniemy there who's been talked about as a head coaching candidate. Uh, there might be some familiarity with Doug Peterson as well when he was in Kansas City. So, you know, there's uh, – there's a lot of options that are still going to be on the table uh, when it comes to head coaches. It might be one of the people that they've interviewed. It might not. Uh, I think that they'll try to find somebody that both ownership and the GM are comfortable with. So it sounds like uh, they're narrowing in. Uh, this could be the week. Uh, there's a general manager. Do you have any sense on how long it would take to get uh, a head coach lined up? I, I would assume it, it's dependent on whether or not that coaching candidate is still involved in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that, you know, you'd probably try to have everybody on the same page with that it, within the organization within a week of the general manager being hired because it's not like nobody had any idea about these head coaches, right? I mean, GMs have familiarity with these coaches and the ownership has been talking to people and I think that they'll probably have a short list by the time they hire their general manager of who they, they are interested in, who they can both agree on and then they'll go forward from there but if they are still in the playoffs yeah it's gonna it's gonna be until after that that they end up officially getting hired but you can have a pretty good sense so i guess we'll know if it's dragging on through the super bowl that it's somebody who's coaching a super bowl team right yeah for sure uh matthew collard joining us from purple insider and you, you you cover this thing year round and it really is a year round business there's no doubt that that's been one of the 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 things the NFL has done so well is they, they, they create excitement and interest year-round, even though the season is relatively short compared to the other sports. It seems that, you know, the NHL, they go to camp, 82-game regular season uh, starts in in the fall and lasts until the early spring. The NFL has a more compact season, but but they keep fans interested uh, for for a long, long time, and in the, the build up to free agency, and then the build up to the draft, and then before you know it, you're right back into uh, mini camps and the countdown to training camps. Yeah, I think that for Vikings fans, especially, this might be the most, uh, the most exciting off season since 2018 when they signed Kirk Cousins. And I know that you know things like that always get debated, but you, even the people who were not for the signing of Kirk Cousins when it happened. You could bet they were pretty excited, you know, when he was doing that first press conference about, you know, what he could potentially bring. And I, I think that it's been quite a while since there's been that sort of offseason. I mean, you think of the last few years, they signed a bunch of players to short-term deals. It was kind of, uh, you know, a lot of bottom-of-the-barrel type of signings that didn't really move the needle. And then before the season before that, there was COVID, and they traded Stephon Diggs. I mean, there's been kind of a lot of tough off-seasons and years for these fans in, in recent seasons, and there hasn't been a whole lot of hope that they could really turn things around from being in that mediocre group in the middle. But now, I mean, this is the most hope that they're going to have, I think, in a long time that you know they could find the right direction, whether that's moving on from Cousins or you know, putting a roster around them that could potentially win. Uh, you know, it seems like the, the, the paths here in the different directions are almost endless, so this creates, you're right, I mean, going to be exciting free agency draft and then you know we're going to be evaluating the whole time the general manager every single move is going to be what's this person's vision for this franchise long term and every single thing that they do is going to tell us about that 
And even though there's holes, we, we've talked a lot about the offensive line and really the malpractice of that regime of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer continually overlooking what was so obvious even to a casual fan. I bump into people at my full-time job during the week, and it's like, when are they going to fix the offensive line? And I wouldn't consider them great football fans, so it was that obvious. Beyond that and, and getting a fix there, is the first big decision for the general manager beyond the head coach what to do about Kirk Cousins? Is that number one? Oh, a hundred percent. Nothing yeah. else matters. Almost. <laughs> I mean, look, there's yeah. a lot of things you could do this offseason uh, that could go one way or the other in terms of right or wrong. I mean, you could draft the the wrong, who knows, cornerback or something like that. Who cares? If you get the quarterback situation wrong, then you're going to get fired eventually. And that's really what happened with Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. There were a lot of problems, but essentially what it comes down to is you got the quarterback thing wrong. You paid a guy who wasn't worth it and you couldn't keep the roster together and you lost a lot of games and now you're fired. I mean, so the new general manager, that's got to be the first question that he has. It's got to be the first question to whatever coach he's hiring. What are we doing at the quarterback position? Are they going to try and keep going down this road with Kirk Cousins, which I would be surprised if they did, considering how much money the Wilfs have paid out for how little return that they've gotten. Um, during the Cousins era, zero home playoff games. That's not exactly what the owners of a football team are looking for. So, uh, you know, do you trade for one? Do you find a bridge quarterback? Do you, you know, buy into a coach that says they can fix Cousins or something like that? Like all these things, um, they matter the most beyond anything else. I mean, I agree with your coworkers that they have to find a right guard, but, it, it, I mean, it's that does not matter a whole lot in comparison to who's playing quarterback. Yeah, and beyond that, Kirk Cousins, though, would have value because there are enough teams that feel like they are close or on the brink or a veteran quarterback away from being able to make a run. So with that said, that that general manager and that new head coach could parlay that into the idea that, okay, we got to get a bridge guy, which I think is the most likely scenario. Kirk Cousins is traded. They, they, they try and stock up on a draft pick, probably get a first-round pick for him. Maybe get something else beyond that for Kirk Cousins. And then you, you get another veteran guy to be the bridge while you rebuild, and you're able to sell that to the fans that, you know, we're going to retool on the fly, but how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think that, of course, they don't have the general manager yet, so we're going to have to yep. hear what he has to say about this, and I'm sure he's not going to reveal the plan on day one. But I think the, the thing that makes the most sense in terms of a path because right now they do not have a Super Bowl roster. If you had a Super Bowl roster and a bad coach that you need to get rid of, then I would say, well, they'll probably keep Cousins then. But that's not the case. I mean, the roster needs a lot of rebuilding on the defensive side, almost every position. So you're looking at a couple of years probably before you have a Super Bowl caliber roster. You want to match that up with a young quarterback, right? You want a young quarterback in his second or third year, like we've seen from Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, now Joe Burrow's in his second year, and they've stacked up their roster. Like You don't have to look very far to find teams who have had this work, like they're playing soon. Uh, so you know, I think that that's probably the path. And I agree with what you said, that there's not only just teams that feel like they're a quarterback away, there's also teams that have been so horrendous for a really long time that Kirk Cousins, well, he will not take you from bad to a Super Bowl. He will take you from bad to competitive. So if you're the New York Giants, if you're the Houston Texans, I mean, there's 
a handful of teams that have just been absolutely awful. Carolina that could really use a quarterback that gets them into the hunt and into playoff contention um, because, well, I mean, you get fired if you're not there, right? So I think I think that there will be teams that get into somewhat of a bidding war for Kirk Cousins if they decide they want to trade him. The Vikings have other star power, including a wide receiver in Justin Jefferson and a running back in Dalvin Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook, the, the, it's been around a little bit longer. The window's longer for Justin Jefferson. Is that going to be a big job for the general manager and the new head coach to sell maybe those two guys as much as anyone that, hey, this is going to be a quick rebuild, you know, hang in there with us, don't get disgruntled? Yeah, I mean, Jefferson really has no choice. I mean, Jefferson sure. is on a rookie contract, and there's nothing he can do. It's one of the reasons that sure. the NFL put in this rookie contract structure, actually. So, you know, guys like him, their teams would have a chance to build around that player. And so he's a, he's going to have two more years on the rookie deal, and then they can franchise tag him. So they have time, and I think Jefferson's going to have to understand that he's going to have to probably make a young quarterback better if they take that route. But it's also one of the reasons that you could see potential for not a super long-term. Like, you don't have to be bad for five years or something. I mean, if you're next year with a bridge quarterback, Jefferson's going to make them better. And if you eventually turn the keys over to a young quarterback, Jefferson's going to make them better. We even saw, like, how about the Patriots last year? They were 7-9. and nine. They bring in Mac Jones. They give him some receivers, a good organization, a good coach, and they're in the playoffs. I mean, if that was the Vikings right now, you'd feel really good about it. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, with Delvin Cook, that's a totally different story to me because if you're doing things the most efficient way based on the smart NFL teams, you're probably looking to trade Delvin Cook, which I know sounds silly to some people, but Adrian Peterson is a very rare exception to a running back that has success into his late 20s and 30s. We saw a lesser version of Delvin Cook and a beat-up Delvin Cook again this year, and he's going to have a $12 million cap hit next year. So he's another guy that I wonder, will a new GM come in, look at this roster, and say, why are you guys paying a running back this much money? Even if he's a very, very good running back, that's just not how the league is doing. And you alluded to the defensive side of the ball, and there are a lot of decisions to be made there. Harrison Smith on down, you name it. Um this, this could be a completely different-looking defensive team next fall. It's going to have to be. I mean, yeah. like right now they just don't even have bodies. I mean, they've been trying to draft and develop players on that side of the ball, but I think I counted them up for a, an article I was doing the other day, and I think it was they had drafted since 2016 like 28 defensive players, and two of them have become starters. Uh, that's not really what you're looking for. Um, so they've they, the cupboard is pretty much bare. On the defensive side, I don't think it's a great idea to spend a bunch of money on it just yet. I think what they have to do is see what you have in some of these players that they just drafted and that are on the youngest side, and there might be some tough times on defense for a year. And it might be a similar year to this, what we just saw, except for with a lot of young people that were evaluating along the way. That was one of the things that was so miserable for fans this year is it was all veteran players. It was veteran players who were brought here to win. It was not like a bunch of guys who were developing and might be exciting for the future. And, you know, I think that they can flip that script um, to have it be a lot younger of a roster next year. But do you think there are familiar names on defense that could also be on the move, a la Kirk Cousins, a la Dalvin Cook? 
Yeah, I mean, Daniil Hunter is the one that really comes to mind here because Daniil Hunter's contract was set up to do a new contract after this year or to cut him. And he had another injury, so he's played seven games in the last two years. But those seven games were phenomenal. I mean, he's still a truly great player, and I don't think the injury that he just had is one that is a career ruiner. But when you have back-to-back years, it certainly makes you nervous. The other thing, too, is as great as Hunter is, it's similar to Cook. It's you got to pay a lot of money for edge rushers, and are you ready to win, or should you create the cap space to be able to use later rather than paying an edge rusher that much money? It's hard because he is a marvelous player, but the new general manager really has to look at these things with kind of a an icy cold type of eye. And, and instead of saying, well, this guy's a good player, it's, does he fit for where we are in retooling this roster? We're joined by Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. All right, let's, let's get to the games. Divisional playoffs this weekend. Uh, real quick, want to get your thoughts on the rundown for today in the early game. Cincinnati and Tennessee Titans favored by four. They're going to kick it off here in a little over ten minutes. Well, I, I love watching Joe Burrow. Tennessee's a really good yeah. team, but I, I think the better quarterback wins here, and, and Cincinnati, I think, has just got got the weapons and the quarterback, so I'll go with the Bengals. Well, Bengals on the road. Then tonight, San Francisco at Green Bay. I'll go first. I think the Niners flat out can win this game straight up. I think they can, yeah. Um, I would still pick Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. Um, I I wouldn't pick Aaron Rodgers to have to listen to a seminar by either quarterback, but I uh, would pick Aaron Rodgers over Jimmy Garoppolo for playing football. Yeah, I, I'm just impressed by the 49ers' physicality. And uh, if, they, if they can get to Aaron Rodgers tonight, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I am optimistic the 49ers could pull the upset. All right, tomorrow, uh, the L.A. Rams – in Tampa Bay, I said this earlier in the week. I'll say it again. I was filling in for Mike Max. I just don't trust Matthew Stafford. Now, I know the mm-hmm. Buccaneers are beat up, but you still have the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. But once again, I'll go back to my original premise. I, I just don't trust Matthew Stafford in this game tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. There's a there's a three-pick game at some point for Stafford. And also, I'll pick against Tom Brady when he's in a broadcast booth or in a gold jacket or something. I mean, there's just a lot of evidence to say don't pick against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And the durability of their O-line all of a sudden against the Eagles, would they lose three guys? Just really beat up their offensive line. And then finally, finally, Matthew, uh, the late game, really looking forward to this on Sunday. Buffalo and Kansas City love the quarterbacks in this game. Yeah, I mean, this is the best matchup. This might be for the Super Bowl. I mean, I think these are the two strongest teams in the NFL, um, with Buffalo's defense being the best in the, in the league and Mahomes still proving that he's the best quarterback alive um, at this moment. I mean, that's at Arrowhead Stadium. You couldn't ask for a better atmosphere. I'm going to pick Kansas City, but I think, I mean, the coaching in this game is great. The star players, the, the, the Diggs, the Tyreek Hill, the Travis Kelsey, I mean, you just have talent all over the field this this one i kind of wish was the afc championship because this game is so good it's gonna be fun well matthew always good to visit with you and so much content all the time at purple insider i am a subscriber how do people get involved yeah you can go to purpleinsider.substack.com to sign up for the newsletter or wherever you get your podcast 
I published three podcasts today of Vikings Bonanza. Yeah, and uh, by the way, with the general manager decision looming, uh, the entire crew at Purple Insider is going to be working overtime as always. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you, Matthew. Yep, thank you. All right, there he is, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Just tremendous content. Good enough to join us. He's with Chad. He'll join Henry Lake. Uh, he'll spend some time with me uh, here and there as well. Just just great stuff. And, of course, we visit with Sam Ekstrom as well. Quick break. We'll come back here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Visited with Matthew Collar a moment ago, getting ready to kick it off in the NFL playoffs. This afternoon, Cincinnati on the road to Tennessee. Titans favored by four. The over-under is 48-and-a-half. And then tonight, the 49ers and Packers from Green Bay. Tomorrow, the early game at 2, the L.A. Rams and Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And then tomorrow night, the nightcap. It's going to be great. Buffalo and Kansas City. And we'll keep an eye on that scoreboard. Uh, good news over at the U today. Uh, the Golden Gopher men's team beat Rutgers 68-65 today. That is a good win for Ben Johnson's team at the barn. And Andy Greeter slated to join us following the weather here in a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, Golden Gopher women's hockey, they're going to drop the puck at Ritter Arena just after four in game two of the weekend series. Number one Wisconsin in town. Minnesota handed the Badgers their second loss of the season yesterday, 2-1. to one. Of course, their other loss to Minnesota earlier in the year in Madison. So the Golden Gophers trying for the sweep of the number one Badgers today at home. Gopher men's hockey take on Michigan. They beat the Wolverines 2-1 to one in overtime last night. The Golden Gopher women's team, they'll take on Michigan State tomorrow on the road. Uh, the Wild back at it. They beat Chicago last night. No problem. Uh, the Wild just flat out dominate uh, the game last night in Chicago. Uh, 5-1 route of the Blackhawks. Same two teams tonight as they cap, uh, cap off Hockey Day here in Minnesota. The Wild won 5-1 in the Windy City. They'll be at the Exxon Energy Center tonight. Of course, Hockey Day down in Mankato today. So I think you're up to date on some of those sports headlines. Timberwolves idle again. They will get the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night at Target Center. Another Sunday night tilt. We'll be on the air at 6.30 with Cal Soderquist. Alan Horton with all the play-by-play tomorrow night here on the home of the Timberwolves. And then I'll be in for a special Sunday night Timberwolves tonight following the game. Typically that's on weeknights with Henry Lake. But I'll have Timberwolves tonight following the Nets and the Timberwolves, say, between 10 and 11 o'clock tomorrow night. Geraldine Steele will have the night off. 3.31, we'll have the weather. Snow on the way. We'll have details in a moment here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. An early start at the barn today, Minnesota and Rutgers. The Golden Gophers looking for their second Big Ten win of the year, and they'd have to do it shorthanded again. Joining us to talk, Golden Gopher Sports, Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press, online at TwinCities.com. Andy, how you been? I'm great, you? Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. I uh, had a week uh, honeymoon in Barcelona, so I've had my fill of tapas and paella and good architecture. Not enough soccer as I wanted, but... uh, 
a great time with the wife. Yeah, that that is great. Um, I, I I've never been to Spain. My oldest daughter has, and says it's lovely. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just very uh, walkable city. Uh, great culture, uh, friendly people. Like I said, really good food. Uh, the weather was a lot better than here. It was it was like carbon <laughs> copies every day. It was like sixty and sunny every day. So it was it was gorgeous. Yeah, that that is great. Well, uh, congrats on that, Andy. I'm glad you had a great ch- trip and welcome back. And uh, you, you had a chance to see uh, the Golden Gophers get uh, a hard fought W today. And what a story! It, it's in your lead in the Pioneer Press, Peyton Willis. That, that's that's amazing. Yeah, he was. He uh, he carried this team today. You know, he had a career high 32 points. He set a program record with eight made threes. He had seven assists. He played all 40 minutes. Uh, the guy was a workhorse. And then he used every last one of his points because leading scorer, Jamison Battle, third leading scorer, E.J. Stevens, starting center, Eric Curry, were all either out with COVID or injury or illness. And uh, they still had seven scholarship players, so they were able to play the game. But they had to rely on Peyton Willis uh, to get him there and, and to get their first home Big Ten win of Ben Johnson's era against the Rutgers team who had their horses in Ron Harper Jr. and, and Geo Baker. So a, a nice quality win, a very resilient, gutty performance uh, to be able to, to beat a, a Rutgers team that tries to muck it up and, and tries to be physical and tries to do things on the inside uh, physically. And uh, this, this Gopher team was, was shorthanded, especially inside in the post and, and rode Peyton Willis to a victory. Yeah, it, just just a great story this year. And the sporting public has quickly fallen in love with this team, and why not? They go into the season as underdogs, but uh, they work really hard. And I, I think people have taken to Ben Johnson and this group of kids quickly because the expectations were so low. And, and to this point, I think they've exceeded all expectations. And... They, they don't seem to wilt under pressure like late in this game or, or that big win on the road at Michigan. They're, they're able to stand up to the heat at the end of the game, and that was fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Sean Sutherland drawing a charge with four seconds left when it looked like Rutgers was going to be able to get a great look with Ron Harper Jr., uh, but just a, a smart play there to, to draw a charge, and that's a free throw to ice it. But, yeah, I think that, you know, this is a team that has been predicated on on grit, on toughness, on playing together, on playing smart. And we saw all of those things today. You know, I mean, they had 15 turnovers, which was high for them, a little uncharacteristic. But I think you'll get the, the effort every single game. There was one game against Illinois where they didn't bring it, and Ben Johnson was pretty irked about that. But in more games than not, now being the only real exception, you know, they've brought the, the energy, the effort, the headiness uh, in every game, and, and it showed. You know, they lost four straight going into today, but, you know, they had a, a buzzer beater beat them at Michigan, at Michigan State last Wednesday. They were right in it against Iowa to the last minute on Sunday at the barn. So, you know, they've been kind of right there. They've been in the hunt. The Indiana game, that was close on the road as well. So, you know, they're 2-5. and five. It's not a not a great look but to get a win like they did today and to be in other games and to play smart gritty tough basketball i think as you can see in in a smaller crowd at the barn really endeared themselves to fans today 
Andy Grittier joining us from the Pioneer Press online at TwinCities.com. And the, the thing we know coming into the season that they weren't going to have a lot of depth with, with a new coach coming in and a lot of players leaving and, and scrambling to get some veteran players out of the transfer portal. But you really get yeah. this sense already that uh, – He's, he's really building something here because I've had a chance to see one, one of his top local recruits, Braden Carrington from Park Center, play. Yeah. He's terrific. Um, there's no doubt he's going to recruit Minnesota. And I, I think what we're seeing already is what he's going to expect out of his teams, and, and fans are going to love it. Yeah, I think just defensively. I think, you know, when you have the lack of depth, especially that they had today, and the offensive threats that they have in, in Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker, they had to mix things up. You know, they don't have a, a lockdown perimeter defender, so they had to throw different guys at those two uh, scores. They had to play some zone defense. They had to kind of put some post players on the wings in their zone defense to kind of frazzle Rutgers, and, and it worked at times. You know, they, they were variant. They kind of played a bunch of cards to see what would work and to not let Rutgers get comfortable. And I think it's those little coaching moves that Ben Johnson was doing today uh, that were successful. And, you know, he was he was a little frustrated, I think, with, with Charlie Daniels and some of the plays that he made in the Iowa game. Just re-watching that one back yesterday, it was some, you know, moments where it's like, hey, Charlie, you're playing because other guys aren't here. You're not the number one scoring option. You shouldn't be taking these shots, especially early in the shot clock. And today he didn't do that. He made smart plays. And I think that's what's key. I think what could be frustrating about previous Gopher teams is you would see guys uh, do things that were maybe boneheaded and then they would just repeat themselves. And you didn't see that with Charlie today. And, and Ben Johnson made a point of it post game too, that, you know, he wasn't shooting threes. He's not the three point shooter. And, and he was able to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. You know, there were times in the Iowa game last Sunday when Jameson Battle was on the floor as their leading scorer and wasn't, the offense wasn't running through him. But he didn't have that today, you know. Peyton Willis took 17 shots, and rightfully so, because he hit 11 of them. And, and he was the main guy, and he hit some tough ones, too. Coming up, Ohio State at the barn on Thursday night, 7 o'clock. And then a week from tomorrow at Wisconsin to take on the Badgers in a matinee, and that's one thing you know. Once you get into the Big Ten season, you get into January and February, um, they come fast, they come furious, and especially on the road in the Big Ten, it's it's really, really tough. And as you pointed out, two and five, you know, the, the idea that, you know, they're, they're going to be able to play 500 ball in the Big Ten, probably not realistic for this group, but but the fact sure. you beat a good, a good Michigan team on the road, you beat Rutgers at home, couple of nice wins we'll just see how it plays out yeah i think i mean if you get let's just spitball here back of the napkin you know i think if you get five six seven more wins you might be able to get in that large berth just with some of the things they were able to do in non-conference so you know i mean seven and what would that be seven and uh 13 in the big 10 uh is not a great look but you know that's a that's a uh, you know, an 18-win team, and I think that could be enough to to maybe get a, a low seed for the for March Madness. But just to be able to di- discuss that, to even put that out there uh, with where this team 
was coming into the year, just given the, the 10 new transfers that they have, asking so many guys to, to step up from the mid-major level to play in the Big Ten and, and to just play, you know, lunch pail type basketball, I think is, is what they want to see. And, and pulling out wins when you're without three of your top five uh, is impressive to do on a January Saturday, regardless of how it finishes or how many Big Ten wins they end up getting at the end of the day. All right, Andy, before we let you go, I, I know you're away uh, on a honeymoon in, in Spain. You're, you're back. Gophers get a win over Rutgers today. Minnesota United FC, things are going to heat up pretty quickly. It goes quick between now and, and the start of the season. It, it, it's kind of amazing. It seems like it, it just wrapped up MLS Cup, and, and here we are really kind of counting down to the 22 campaign. Yeah, it's, it's the quickest turnaround they've had in, in league history because they have to wrap up the season by next fall in order for the World Cup in Qatar. So they're starting in late February, so that means training camp started yeah. earlier than I was used to on my on my calendar, and that's why I missed it last week when they opened up in Blaine. But, you know, it's a longer preseason. You know, they're going to Florida on Monday, and we'll play a few MLS teams there. Then they'll come back for a week. Then they'll go out to Portland and play a few more MLS teams and a team from, I think, Norway. Uh, for another little round-robin tournament, and then they'll come back here for a couple of weeks. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a like a baseball spring training where it, it is a little bit longer. Uh, there is a little bit more of a run-out for these guys. They don't have their full squad together due to health and COVID and international duties and military service in a bizarre case for Robin Mood, who's from Finland, who has cultural obligations that he has to do there. So, kind of a slow ramp up before they get to Florida and start to get some of these early games in. They're still looking to add a few players. Uh, so we'll look for those guys to, to come in as training camp goes on. But yeah, February, I think 26th at Philadelphia. And then a week later, uh, they have a home opener, but even before that, or two weeks from, I think next week, uh, a week from next week, there, the U S men's national team is going to have a World Cup qualifier and only on field in what could be some real conditions oh. uh, for that game. But uh, it's an exciting time for, for U.S. soccer. They're in a, in a pole position to get World Cup qualifying status after missing out last time, and, and they could put themselves in a better spot in the frozen tundra in St. Paul on February 2nd. Yeah, and it just seems crazy to me that they're they're going to attempt that. Andy, I would assume someone from the Pioneer Press is going to get over there and check out preparations on, on just getting the place ready for fans, let alone a soccer game on that surface. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a heated underneath, and they'll have heat lamps over the top. I'm sure there'll be snow removal uh, in the meantime, starting right. here pretty soon as they get it, as they get it ready to go. But, yeah, it's... It's weird. It's bizarre to think about that a, a natural grass surface will be ready to go, but they're obviously confident in it. The problem I, I foresee is, you know, what if it is negative 20 and they try to play that game? There's no wiggle room. There's no opportunities really to move it up or to delay it because they're playing games, I think, three or four days before that and then the end of the international window and those players have to go back to their club teams. So if it's if it's brutal that day, uh, there's really no alternatives. So if it's negative oh. twenty, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. And they're also what's also bizarre about it is they're kicking off at nighttime. You know, they could be playing it at three or four o'clock like they did 
uh, and I think in El Salvador who had uh, COVID warning um, or COVID curfew, and they moved up the game for that. So I'd, I'd imagine that there could be some benefits to be playing earlier and still have the home field advantage that you think you have over a, a Central American team. But but here we go. Uh, we're going to see what happens here in a couple weeks. Well, good luck to them. All right, uh, Andy, <laughs> always good to visit with you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Take care. All right, there he is, Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press, uh, has the story up on today's Golden Gopher win at the barn over Rutgers, 68-65. Quick break, we'll come back with some more sports headlines here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Following the news and weather at 4, we'll go outdoors. Steve Carney, where are they biting? We'll get the very latest from Steve on that. About 4.35, Kevin Lynch, Timberwolves analyst for Bally Sports North. Uh, the Timberwolves host the Nets on Sunday night at Target Center. Our pregame at 6.30, tip just after 7 o'clock. Uh, following the news and weather at 5, Scott Miller covers the major leagues. What's the latest on the lockout? And still to come at 5.35, Dane Mizutani, who covers the Wild for the Pioneer Press. Uh, they'll close out Hockey Day with a Wild game in St. Paul tonight against Chicago. The Wild beat the Blackhawks 5-1 to one last night. The Wild playing really well. They went through that stretch where they couldn't get any games in. They shut down the league, and now the Wild are rolling again with a big win over the Blackhawks, trying to make it two in a row uh, over hated Chicago uh, tonight on home ice in St. Paul. Uh, snowing in Mankato for Hockey Day, and the snow moving into the Twin Cities, and we'll have more on that. Uh, some happy news this week uh, from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the news broke on Thursday. Uh, former manager and coach Ron Gardenhire, former Twins player and current broadcaster Dan Gladden, and then, of course, uh, utility man extraordinaire from the early days of the Twins franchise, Cesar Tovar, elected to the Twins Hall of Fame. So, uh, Gardy, Gladden, and Tovar go into the hall. And uh, Do Young Park has a really nice piece at the Twins website, twinsbaseball.com. And uh, Ron Gardenhire had a chance uh, to sit down with Chad Hartman on Thursday as well. And you can catch that at the website, wccoradio.com. And, of course, uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony coming up this summer with the Texas Rangers in town and Hall of Fame weekend, August 20th and 21st at Target Field. And as we mentioned, uh, snow moving in. As a matter of fact, uh, snow continues this afternoon and tonight. With this bout of snow, about 1 to 2. And then uh, partly cloudy light, a low near 6 below. And then on Sunday, a chance of flurries in a high near 10. And then more snow on Sunday night. And we could see another 1 to 3 on Sunday night. So keep the shovels handy. And temps will rise overnight. We'll we'll see temps in the 20s early on Monday before they fall off. And then 12 below Monday night, 17 below on Tuesday night before we see a gradual warm-up later in the week. We'll have the news and weather next. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.